across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. All right, so Dr. Caitlin Urin is a postdoctoral fellow at Stellenbosch University, and uh, they are looking at what it means to be a good genomic citizen. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us, Dr. Urin. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon to yourself and the listeners. So, Dr. Uren, I have been one of those people who's been really curious about what DNA testing can do for me. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think like uh, many South Africans, it's been hard to find the credible, mm. the the kind of very quick to, to find solutions for DNA testing. I know that it's readily available in the UK, in the US and so on, but, but not so in, in South Africa. And, and you bring the point that, in fact, it's us as citizens who need to build the capacity for mm. these kind of centers so that we can get good, reliable data. Explain that for us. Sure. So, as you mentioned, um, there's a lot of genetic testing in Europe and the U.S. And only recently, we've developed companies in South Africa that have the capacity to do genetic testing. So as more and more people invest in these in these local companies by um, uh, where clients request genetic testing, they in turn will improve their service offerings and lowering prices to such an extent that more and more South Africans are able to to um, request genetic testing. So, so it, from what I'm hearing, pricing is is part of the biggest barrier here, isn't it? Correct, because a lot of the a lot of the consumables and technology comes from overseas. Mm. So with import costs and, and and obviously the exchange rates, you know, it, it affects the the price at which the servings of uh, service offerings are, are set at. So so let's talk about then the science thereof. Okay, yeah. what, what 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 does it mean to have fewer of us out there? Um, asking for data to be analysed. Does it also compromise the results because there are fewer to compare with? Correct. So um, a lot of the genetic analyses that I do in my research, um, as well as the genetic testing um, that's available in South Africa, it, it depends largely on the amount of data we compare a client's data to. Mm. Now, with ancestry testing, for instance, which is one type of direct-to-consumer uh, genetic testing, um, the more and more diverse people come forward and do their genetic testing or ancestry testing, the more um, a, a detailed ancestry reports will become. Mm. Um, in, in turn, for, for more clinical and health-related genetic testing, as more and more people come, come through and, and do um, health screenings, um, the more accurate we, uh, the more easily we are able to identify genetic markers associated with the disease. And I think for me that, that's one of the most important aspects of this, being able to diagnose um, African patients or patients in Africa with genetic diseases, um, because currently it, it's quite a challenge, um, as most of the research um, has largely been performed in European populations. Mm. So what does that mean then for the profession? Do we have then enough skill sets here to, to conduct these studies? Is that part of the problem or do we have enough in that, in that respect? I think quite recently there's been a great shift in this area and a lot of um, funding and a lot of um, time and effort has gone into um, improving the, the research capacity in South Africa with regard to genetics. Mm 
in terms of um, technology and and um, manpower, one of the biggest challenges we have in South Africa is in the field of bioinformatics. Mm-hmm. So that is understanding comp- at a computational level what is going on in in um, the research participants or clients' genes, mm. and being able to to create statistical models to show how accurate this is. Mm. There's been a lot of of um, of um, push to get more and more people involved in this field. Um, and particularly at Stellenbosch University, we have quite a few new courses that have come up um, in development as well that uh, cover the bioinformatics field and human genetics. Yes. And, and, and so that would obviously touch on the skill sets of the actual people, human capital. Yes. What about yes. the technology development? So you, first of all, spoke also about how a lot of the technology is imported and that's what makes it so expensive so that Mm -hmm. also then means that we need to then up the ante there where we need to start developing the technology ourselves as well that is 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 very much correct i mean we um currently have um i would say probably a handful of companies that are have had to import technology from overseas Mm -hmm. and um, i hope in the future that there is also a push to, to create that technology here. Let's just talk, you know, from a social point of view, just how important mm-hmm. this kind of information is. And I know that for some people it's quite trivial. Oh, no, you know, there you go wanting to know your, ant- your ant- ancestry, uh, genealogy mm-hmm. and so on. But, but in most cases, actually, some of this technology can save lives. I mean, it, it really can be quite beneficial for a society. Yes, I mean, as you, as you, as you said, um, it's ancestry testing. You can find long-lost relatives. If you are adopted, you can um, find relatives, second, third-degree relatives, which would be really interesting, and build your family tree. But mm-hmm. then there's the other side of it, as it's really important that we get as much genetic information as we can to diagnose patients, mm-hmm. not only with diseases, but also to know how to treat the patients or how to prevent specific diseases. Mm-hmm. How well do we preserve the information and data that we, we acquire? In other words, what is the risk of, of, of samples that, you know, just kind of don't make it to the end and maybe are mm. tampered with and so on? How well are we doing there? Mm. So as I, I outlined in, in the article as well, we have, with regard to the laboratory and sample receipts and things, it is incredibly well controlled. Mm. Um, there are guidelines and standard operating procedures in place in most of these laboratories um, on the research and and um, service offering. In terms of um, data privacy, confidentiality, and how secure your data is and stored, um, you um, go through an extensive consent process when you um, go th- when you request this genetic testing. You can. Uh, consent to having a data shared with your research laboratory. You can have, you can consent not to have your data shared. So there's very, very, uh, various options. One of the, the, the things that I want to um, uh, point out mm-hmm. is that South Africa has some of the strictest privacy laws mm-hmm. out there. Um, and that's the, that is a, um, the Popia Act, which is recent, which is currently being reviewed, um, and that is governs data privacy and confidentiality, and all laboratories research need to access that.
Mm. You know, I, I, I want us to talk about what it is that the delay in trying to, to, to move forward with this could mean for, mm-hmm. uh, for, for us. You know, it could mean that advancement of medicine is delayed from our side, for instance. Right. We are hearing lots of talk from other parts of the world around how vaccines are being put together. But apart from mm-hmm. the money, some of it is just a lot of the fact that we, we don't have enough data to go by on, on a lot of stuff that we can be doing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I see direct-to-consumer ancestry testing or, or genetic tests in general as an avenue that we can we can improve this, improve the amount of data out there. And in turn, the clients of genetic testing that perform genetic testing can get be part of this movement of increasing the amount of African data that's out there. Dr. Irene, what are the chances that this kind of program can be perhaps in partnership with the, the, the Department of Health? where, for instance, for every child born, the state almost gathers that information, of course with consent, but that we mm. understand as a complete unit that it's imperative for all of us to, to understand. It's almost like having everyone's identity in the lab. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, we, we've definitely had those discussions both at, at the university setting and with funders as well. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, aspects that need to be considered before something like that is implemented. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the gold standard. And if we can get to that stage, I think that could greatly improve um, not only the amount of data out there, but also, as, as I've said before, the, the ability to diagnose patients and understand disease progression and severity. I mean, would you like to elaborate on what kind of things, for instance, would need to be considered? Just just so that we, we are on the same page. Sure. So I think the in terms of um, human capacity, mm-hmm. uh, analyzing s- such large volumes of data mm-hmm. can be a bit of a challenge and needs to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. In terms of coming back to the technology, we need to make sure that we have the technology in South Africa that we can make use of local resources. Mm-hmm. And then the third aspect I can think of now is, is the ethical aspect. Mm. You know, who, who, who provides consent? Do mm. the parents provide consent? Mm. What if the child comes back and mm. says, well, I didn't want that done? Mm. So, so it's those things that you kind of have to think about mm. and sort of discuss with the, the, the research um, uh, community, the private community, and engage with various stakeholders to make sure that this is something that everyone wants. Specifically when, with regards to the ethical conversation. I mean, I know that we're not mm-hmm. at a conclusion yet, but is that conversation happening? Are colleagues having those conversations regularly? Yes. Uh, we um, are obviously doing genetic research in various communities in South Africa. Mm. And we, we are definitely having those conversations with each other in terms of researchers, but also with the public going back to a community, discussing how the individuals interpret um, our research results, how they feel about um, genetic testing becoming more popular or, or being used more and people's views about that as well. So we're engaging on, on various levels. I'm going to ask that we take a quick break and also take some calls if you don't mind, Dr. Yuren. Uh, the lines are open, 011-714-2006. You may be curious about what it means to be a good genomic citizen. I was really curious myself. And uh, you can also send those on WhatsApp at 0614-104-107. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. 
All right, my conversation is with Dr. Caitlin Yurin, a postdoctoral fellow at Stellenbosch University, and we're discussing what it means to be a good genomic citizen. Let's take some voice notes. I know that many of you are already sending some voice notes on 0614-104-107. Pamelo, can you please ask your guest why research is only done on black people, even the, 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 the forms that they, uh, what you mean, the consent, consent form, is only, it does even specify, I mean, uh, that it has to be a certain gen, uh, race. So why is that it has to be black people that you run this on? Hi to the genetics guest over there. Just a few questions. So first of all, can South Africans access 23andMe and Ancestry DNA? Because originally when I read about it, it was said that it's not offered to South Africans. But then I noticed that some South Africans claim that they did it via those facilities. So now I'm not so 100% sure. And secondly, um, is it possible that um, you know should actually become part of general history taking we should get to that point where a doctor should ask have you or anybody in your family done genetics testing because an individual that might not have gone for one can definitely have some information about himself made known via a sibling or a family member mark <laughs> All right, Dr. Caitlin Uren is on the line with us to answer those questions. Do you want to start with the one on research done on black people, Dr. Uren? I imagine it's not true, but you can go ahead and answer. Sure. So, um, yeah, so it, it's it, it's definitely not true. Um, I mean, we do, um, I can only speak for, for our land and, and Stenomosh University in general, we do research on every single ethnicity um, there is, and we have collaborations with other researchers who also do research on, on, um, on every single ethnicity, and we do not exclude in terms of um, ethnicity classifications, one of the things that um, has uh, sort of come about this year um, or, or has come about over the years, rather, is that we don't uh, try and classify individuals or provide um, categories in terms of ethnicity. We only capture self-supported ethnicity. So if you want to classify yourself as purple, then you're more than welcome to. Then let's just answer the question around South Africans and ancestry DNA and 23andMe. Are mm-hmm. they are they taking um, uh, tests from South Africans? So um, it's a bit tricky. So it depends on which company. As far as I'm aware, 23andMe and Ancestry, um, they don't ship to South Africa, but you can ship to ah. a courier partner in the US and they can organize um, a, a courier to you in South Africa. Um, it can be very, very expensive um, as well. I think probably between 800 and 1,000 rand for courier fees alone. Um, and I am aware of, of quite a few occurrences where kits have been lost. Okay. And then, you know, just maybe by way of directing South Africans, which would be the most reliable sites here or at least institutions? Sure. So um, the first uh, comprehensive ancestry test that was made available in South Africa it's from a company called Be Happy To Be You. Mm-hmm. Um, as Stenomosh University, we have um, a collaboration or a relationship with them in that um, individuals who do ancestry testing 
um, and they consent to be contacted. I think that's very important to keep in mind. You consent to be recontacted. You don't um, have to be. Mm -hmm. You'll be offered to take part in research that is performed at Stellenbosch University. Mm. And then there was a, an interesting comment done um, made by the, the the one gentleman who was asking about ancestry DNA and twenty three and Me about you know mm-hmm. just what your thoughts are around making this compulsory history being made available uh, by patients and by 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 the hospitals sort of vice versa just offering you information and it um, mm-hmm. being available if one asks about it from the institutions. Yeah, I think I think that would. Um, be, you know, best case scenario. Mm. Um, and I agree that it can provide a lot of, of needed information. But then again, I have, you know, something that comes to mind for myself is the privacy concerns, you know, did that, did that individual consent for that information to be, to be made available? So I think you, you kind of have to toss up um, the usefulness of that information mm-hmm. and um, the patient's privacy. So then, I mean, because I think there's a lot of, of, of terrain that we've got to be careful around from what you're saying mm, yeah. then then from someone like myself who 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 feels that there's vested interest as as a member of society to do this mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. from a scientific point of view from an advancement of medicine point of view and all sorts of things how then do i become a good genomic citizen how do i do <laughs> it in a responsible way I think um, to be a good genomic citizen, you need to make sure you're informed regarding genetic testing, whichever genetic testing you do. Make sure you know all the aspects of the how, the what, the why, the who um, of the genetic testing. Make sure you understand the consent process and really sort of consider the implications for yourself, for your family, for the greater public on how your genetic data can be utilized in a good way, inclusion in, in companies' databases to improve service offerings and to promote research. Would it be useful for people who, for instance, have got ashes of their loved ones who've passed on to be a part of this, you know, adding to data? Is that something you can use to analyze DNA? Generally, most companies don't um, do genetic testing on um, deceased individuals mm-hmm. because they can't pri- pri- uh, provide content. Oh, gosh. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> isn't that interesting? What a pity, mm. though. From a scientific point of view, isn't that a pity? It is a pity. It is. But you can get a lot of information about the deceased individual from living relatives as well. Okay. I mean, that's fascinating. Uh, thank you so much for all of this. And um, as you said, one of the best ways to, to be a good uh, genomic citizen is to, I suppose, get yourself informed, you know, be be as close to the information as possible. What, mm-hmm. what kind of support does something like, you know, your institution, Stellenbosch University, give mm-hmm. to citizens? Because sometimes I, I may have all the right intentions, but I just can't afford it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I want to add value. Yeah. So a lot of, um, I mean, obviously we we um, send out um, invitations to be part of research, um, and we have specific research drives. And then, as, because you're part of research, we do cover the, the genetic testing. Um, in certain circumstances, you need to meet certain criteria because we investigating specific um, uh, uh, clinical diseases and things like that. Um, and also, we, as um, linking up with Be Happy to the Year again, there might be some, some developments that are on the way to, to promote um, genetic data generation. 
Wow, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. That is Dr. Caitlin Uren, a postdoctoral fellow at the Stellenbosch University there, telling us what it is to be a, be, uh, to be a good genomic citizen and how you are able to access those facilities and that data, that information that you require to be a good genomic citizen. Thank you very much for that. And for many of you who are asking the question, so how would I get um, tested for my ancestry in South Africa? Uh, it is be happy to be you. That's the the most reliable in South Africa. Be happy to be you. That's the website. Try them, and and they may you know they may be able to assist. If if you fail there, go to Stellenbosch University, and they may be able to direct you.